Welcome to the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. When Kevin gives the word, be prepared to call in to 865-243-TALK. That's 865-243-8255. Now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. Thank you for joining us. I'm the co-host, Mark Griffith, filling in for the very verbal Kevin Ray. And my wingman today is Shine, our producer. Thank you for joining us, Shine. Hey, my pleasure to be here. He's Great be, show. He's going to be with me all day today as we talk about something that's very, very important about your safety because Mortgage Investors Group and this show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group and we're very interested in your safety. And during the holiday season, fire protection should be at the front of your mind as far as anything that you're thinking because we have stuff that's going on it gets cold you want to have the christmas tree it starts to get like really kind of dangerous right well, <laughs> well this time of year you have people using fireplaces for the first time that's right it's getting cold you got people that want to fry turkeys on their back porch that's not a good idea and uh and like you said you have more things plugged in because you may have the christmas tree you may have your little holiday village over here or <laughs> or whatever lots of things going on there's a lot of things going on and to help us sort through all of this because there is a lot of there really there are a lot of pieces to potential fire hazards in the home and to help us with this we have been graced by our uh, knoxville fire uh, city fire department captain dj corcoran dj are you there i am glad to be here thank you well thank you very much for uh joining us and tell us a little bit about your role at the knoxville city fire department Okay, I've been with the department since 1994, um, came on as a uh, EMT, worked at Station 11, and then moved to uh, uh, headquarters, uh, was on the ladder truck, drove the ladder truck, and then just recently got promoted, and, and now I am uh, holding the title of the public information officer. So a lot of times when there's fires, I'll be the one that uh, sort of the liaison between the fire department and the media or the public. So driving a, uh, a ladder truck um, and, and being in the fire department, I mean, you've got to have responded to a lot of fire calls uh, during the holiday season. Is that true? That is true. It seems like uh, when the holiday season rolls around, that's when we see a lot of fires, uh, you know, because here in East Tennessee, cooler weather starts around, you know, October, November, about the time that Thanksgiving starts. It runs all the way through to about February or early, uh, early March. So we do see a lot of, uh, you know, fires uh, that are contributed uh, to, um, you know, heating fires, cooking fires, and, and that type of fire. Is it because we get so excited as a population that we just lose our mind and start doing crazy things? Or is, or is, is this just a natural process that happens during this period of time? I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think people are preoccupied. Uh, with a lot of, uh, you know, holiday ideas, you know, what to, what to get, uh, what to buy, um, you know, things that they're, they're multitasking, I guess. Multitasking. And then also, too, uh, you know, just uh, the, the nature of it. You know, it is cooler weather, and you see a lot of uh, heating fires also. But, uh, but the, the combination uh, is sort of the recipe for, for fires. Uh, you know, just the, the preoccupied, the, uh, 
multitasking, and then the colder weather. One of the things you directed me to, and I'm going to direct everybody in our listening audience, we have uh, thehousinghour.com. So I'm going to be posting a lot of information on there about fire protection. So I want everybody to, to chime in and get to your internet and go at check out the housinghour.com one of the things i'm going to post is from the national fire protection association dj captain uh, corcoran gave me this uh, uh this uh website it's the nfpa.org is that correct isn't it so yes, that's that is. that's their website and they've got a fantastic amount of information but i'm going to be posting that and blogging that and and doing a lot of things but one of the things that i learn is, is shine and this is going to be interesting interesting is do you know what day is the number one day for the peak fire uh activity in this country i do not know you do not you want to take a guess hmm. it is no, i don't actually thanksgiving really that day of cooking so that's on the, the more than fourth of july more than fourth of july you know, and, there's and other and firecrackers wow or christmas eve and yeah. or the fire yeah, yeah uh, wow. fireplace national fire protections said that thanksgiving is the peak day uh captain uh, corcoran did you know that no i didn't know i would if i were guessing i would have guessed somewhere between thanksgiving and christmas but i didn't know it was actually on thanksgiving day it's the thanksgiving day so that kind of sets the pace so i'm going to ask one other question so our listeners to see and shine i want you to respond to this what activity in the home is causing the most the number one fire cause now this seems a little easier i'm gonna go with <laughs> i'm gonna go with cooking yes now now i learned that from captain corcoran the other day so he told me that the number one thing was cooking well so, see, that's believable i believe that so so captain tell us what's going on with the cooking issue why is that such a problem that comes in just over you know 50 percent. i think it's somewhere between 52 and 56 percent of uh, residential fires are uh, associated with cooking. And it's a combination of things. People, uh, you know, they're, again, multitasking, walking away from a stove, not turning it off, um, you know, frying. You know, here in the South, we fry a lot of things, so <laughs> grease, uh, splatters on a hot eye or something, you may have a fire. And then people, uh, you know, not knowing what to do if you do have a grease fire. Uh, sometimes people will make the mistake of trying to put that, extinguish that fire with water, and that's a big no-no. Uh, it will expand 1,700 times uh, one cubic inch of, of, uh, of uh, uh, grease or whatever will expand 1,700 times. So uh, you, you kind of figure that if you have a little bit of uh, fire from grease and you put the water on there, it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow up into something you know, bigger than you can handle. So the proper way to handle that is either just to smother uh, you know, if you have an, a, a pan or something that has grease in it, to smother it um, and then remove it from the heat. Uh, if you don't have a lid, you can take baking soda or flour or something like that. And what you're trying to do is separate that heat from from the product, from the material that's burning. So you want to create a, a barrier uh, sort of in between that. It's just so uh, but, yeah, that's, that's a lot what's you know, going on is just people, you know, and never walk away from a stove. Uh, if you have you know something on the eye, if you do have to you know take a phone call or something like that, go ahead and turn it off if you're going to be away from the stove. Well, and I would think you know, that really be on your toes. I would think that Thanksgiving you have the dynamics of people, family, 
loved ones in the house. So you want to you want to go to them and be with them because maybe you haven't seen them in several months or whatever. So you walk away from the all that stuff on top of the stove and you're distracted. Or the dynamic of I mean, a you're just you're doing things that aren't your normal day to day routine. Oh, you may you may be in someone else's house using someone else's stove Excellent. and 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 helping out with the cooking and not know what the deal is with that, you know? And one of the things I was talking to uh, Capital Financial Groups, one of our sponsors, and I was talking to their personal liability section, and they were telling me that their insurance, uh, their number one insurance issue during Thanksgiving and all the holiday seasons is the turkey fryer. This is what Shine's talked about earlier, the turkey burner. Um, mm-hmm. Captain, is is this a bigger problem in, in than anything else, or is this an isolated issue? I tell you, there's nothing better than, than a deep-fried turkey. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. the uh, the proper way, I mean, we've, we've seen a lot of uh, accidents with, with those two. Uh, we've seen them, people bringing them into their garages and, uh, you know, deep-frying them there. And they think, well, you know, if it's raining or something outside, they may think, well, I'll just pull it right inside here. Uh, you know, that's a that's big no-no. They should be at least about 15 foot away from any structure. Uh, preferably on a level concrete area. Uh, a lot of times people will take them uh, on their back porch and uh, a wooden deck or something like that, and it will spew over. You know, yeah. the, the grease will, and the next thing you know is your your deck's on fire. And you know, so, uh, we've seen a lot of uh, fires from from turkey fires like that on on a, uh, a rear. And and it's not just Thanksgiving because at Christmas time I know a lot of my friends they'll do the deep fried turkeys for uh, Christmas dinner too. So you got you got November and December where these are potentially uh, hazards. But let me go Mm -hmm. back to the kitchen because one of the things I was reading on on National Fire Protection um, is and and that's just an incredible site, really helpful for your family. One of the things I was reading that if you do have a fire, you need do you actually try to fight it or do you get out and call 911 what's the best plan i guess if it's a small you can handle it with your fire extinguisher hopefully you have an abc fire extinguisher in there but really if it if it starts getting out of control should you be fighting this thing um you know you could have an extinguisher on hand an abc extinguisher is a, is a good uh, all around extinguisher to have but my thought first step would would be to recommend that you you call go ahead and call 911 and have, have the fire department on, on its way. Oh, that's and a good then, idea. So the first thing then, to do is fire off 911 and then mm-hmm. see if you can control it yourself if it's easy. Yeah, and, and, and if you can, I mean, you know, it's not like our guys are going to show up and say, well, you know, what would you call us for? The fire's out. We're going to be glad. And, and if, it, if it goes the other way, if it goes south, then, you know, we're already en route and, and we'll take care of it when we get there. Okay, so uh, Captain DJ... Corcoran is with us from the Knoxville City Fire Department. We want to keep you online and carry you through because we've got a couple more questions, a lot more questions to ask you and talk about. This is the Housing Hour. Check out thehousinghour.com. I'm Mark Griffith, and we'll be back just after these messages. The king and I and the catcher in the right. Eisenhower vaccine. England's got a new queen. Marciano Liberace satire. Best choice for news, sports, traffic, and weather. Partnered with WBIR.com. This is 100.3 WNOX. At Title Associates of Knoxville, we are all about you. You, the buyer, the seller 
the real estate agent or the lender. Hi, I'm Sue Benson, owner of Title Associates. In today's real estate market, it is more important than ever to have a title company with experience, a company you can trust, and one that conducts business with you in mind. Our staff has been serving Knoxville and surrounding counties for over 20 years with timely, attentive service. We are constantly updating and re-educating ourselves to ensure the best possible service to our customers. At Title Associates, we are proud to be a part of this community, a community that has remained positive during the downturn of the economy and a community that will recover with an even stronger real estate market. If you're buying, selling, or refinancing, our staff promises to make your closing a pleasant one. If you're a real estate agent looking for excellent customer service, give us a call, 777-1040, or visit our website at tanox.com. Title Associates, your choice and the right choice. Hot off the press, the housing market is starting to recover. Home prices are rising. Home sales are increasing. Home builders are clearing lots and raising roofs. Mortgage Investors Group would like to help you take advantage of this nationwide housing recovery by offering you the lowest interest rates in our nation's history. Don't miss out. Call us today, 800-489-8910, or visit us on mortgageinvestorsgroup.com. Mortgage Investors Group, your home loan solution for the past 22 years. Tennessee Mortgage License Number 109111. Tennessee Mortgage License Number 109111. Fall is a wonderful time in Tennessee. Temperatures begin to cool, leaves begin to turn, UT football. And truthfully, what's more fun than raking leaves with your family and letting your kids run through the piles? Mortgage Investors Group wants to help you make these precious memories come true for you. Whether it's a purchase or a refinance, we have the loan to fit your needs. So call us today, 1-800-489-8910, or visit us online at mortgageinvestorsgroup.com. Mortgage Investors Group, your home loan solution for the past 23 years. Clearly, your best choice for news, sports, traffic, and weather. Partnered with WBIR.com, this is 100.3 WNOX. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. And welcome back to the Housing Hour. My name is Mark Griffith. I'm filling in for the very verbal Kevin Ray, who can't be with us today. But I've got, as a wingman, Shine, our producer and our co-host for today. Thank you for joining us, Shine. Hey, good to be here. And uh, I'd like to tell everybody about one of our sponsors, uh, Admiral Title. Admiral Title is a company that I do a lot of business with at our office in Oak Ridge, and Mortgage Investors Group does a lot of business. They are fantastic. They'll take care of all of your closing needs for a home purchase or a refinance, or if you've got any type of real estate issue that you need settled, maybe it's an estate issue or a warranty deed needs to be done, maybe a quit claim deed needs to be prepared. Admiral Title can help you. They've got a fantastic staff over there. Phyllis Burnett runs that organization. She is dynamite. And I'm telling you, it's the best customer service in Knoxville. Their number is 531-6060. And Terry Adams, her husband, runs the law firm of... Uh, uh, Admiral Title. So that's Adam's law firm. Terry is fantastic. He does a lot of sports contracts. He does a lot of lot of legal work around Knoxville and Nashville. So if you want some of the best folks working on your uh, particular problem or needs, Admiral Title is the one. 531-6060. So we want to come back and talk about this 
this this program, the National Fire Protection, and all of this. And, Shine, you found something very fascinating that goes along with our conversation. And uh, we mentioned it last segment. We talked about the Homeland Security issuing a warning about turkey fryers. I looked into it a little bit during the break. Uh It gets better. Okay, <laughs> they they bought time last year in conjunction with State Farm. I think they pitched in a little bit on November twenty third. Public service announcement starring William Shatner. William Shatner, uh, Captain Kirk, Captain Kirk from the original Star Wars, um, in his own reenacting supposedly something that really happened where he had a turkey fryer <laughs> mishap. Um, no kidding. So it was State Farm, Department of Homeland Security, and William Shatner. Warning, and the, the name of the public the public service announcement is Eat, Fry, Love. <laughs> okay, so it doesn't get any better than that. That's fantastic. And we have us joining uh, our guest today is from the Knoxville City Fire Department, Captain D.J. Corcoran. And I appreciate you staying on board with us, Captain, uh, and you're still there, aren't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting what he was saying about William Shatner to uh, to boldly go where no man's gone. (laughs) I know. He's he's burning, uh, burned up a bird through the atmosphere, apparently. That's right. Oh, wow. (laughs) But, uh, okay, so now we're going to move on because there is a number two shine. There is a number two cause of fires in homes, and we want to discuss this. So what is it? Here's the clock. The number two. So it's cooking was number one. Cooking was number one. So number two electrical fire no but that's in there oh it's not heating sources so now we've got like space heaters we've got all sorts of heating sources okay so uh captain tell us a little bit about some of the heating issues around the home that causes these fires um like like you said falling in number two is heating and that can range anywhere from uh you know fires in the fireplaces um, in the actually uh, in the chimney where you have creosote buildup uh, can be in the fireplace in the box where people fail to put a good uh, heavy duty screen in place or from radiant heat where people have objects too close to the to the fire itself it can be uh, deaths from carbon monoxide poisoning from kerosene heaters uh, space heaters electrical heaters shorting out and, and being too too close to, to objects, uh, you know, you should have about a three-foot radius, uh, any kind of heating source where you don't have anything flammable around that, have about three-foot airspace in between anything. And then chimneys and fireplaces, you know, you should have a qualified uh, chimney sweep come and look at any fireplace and the, and the, uh, uh, the flue there um, to make sure that you don't have any kind of crystal build up or you don't have any kind of void where like in the mortar where you might have a little hole or something like that where a spark can shoot through can, can i ask a question real quick on that vein captain um you know they sell these logs that are supposedly supposed to clean out your uh chimneys um Reduce are you saying creosote yeah, yeah but you're saying go above we that's not enough especially i guess well, if you haven't used it in a while those those logs are designed to burn hot and burn off any creosote. So as a, as a firefighter, I, I don't know. I, I would recommend having a, uh, a certified chimney sweep come and look and clean it, uh, you know, under under their conditions. Well, that, yeah, the main reason I, I ask is I've just moved into a place since the first time I've mo- lived in a place 
with a fireplace. Oh. And that's that's very applicable to, to my life. I needed to know that. Yeah. Yeah, the problem that you get is that creosote ignites and causes chimney fire. So I don't know that exactly. you want to be messing with it and igniting it. You want it removed. Yeah, that's that's sort of what those logs do is they, they, they burn it off. They burn super hot. But uh, but like I said... Seems uh, like playing with fire know, to me. The, yeah. Right. In, in a controlled environment and, and you know, under the, uh, you know, special circumstances, that might be fine. But like I said, what I would recommend is just having somebody come out and professionally look through it. And, and you know, they've got the mirrors and the cameras they can run down there. And, uh, and then they've got the brushes where they can get that build up off of there and one of one of the things uh, about fireplaces and the chimneys there's there's like two source types of uh, chimneys there's a brick masonry type of chimney and then there's flue type of chimneys out of from the right. prefabs and stuff so each one of those need to be clean right right the 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 first one that you talked about you know the masonry the the uh, kind of a terracotta type uh, flue inside there those are Put together and they'll have mortar in between and sometimes that creosote will build up and then if say if you have uh, you know wa- uh, water that gets down into the to the flue part or that's not properly maintained and it's getting weather down in there a lot of times that water will run down and it'll create like a lime and uh, it'll eat that mortar away and and that's what you're you're trying to avoid is you want that to be solid through there where there's no void where a spark can get through and start a fire inside the chimney. And then the other type is the metal flues. And if you've got something that's really been burning hot, you know, people will burn wood, uh, you know, either green wood that creates a lot of uh, buildup, unburnt particles that'll, that'll collect in the chimney, kind of like a, a doctor might look at plaque and buildup in, in arteries. Kind of the same thing. If it's not good burning hard wood that's seasoned, it's going to create a lot of smoke, and that smoke carries with it. It carries all the, the, the creosote buildup that's going to collect on the inside of that flue. And, so, uh, uh, you, you know, that's another, another tip is, is make sure that the wood that you're burning is not damp or wet. Make sure it's seasoned wood. Uh, make sure it's hard wood, you know, nothing green. Yeah, you don't want to burn pine in a fireplace. No, no, right, no. Right. That's, that's uh, just a no-no. Uh, pine has a lot of that uh, that will build up on the inside. There. Now, in last December and on Christmas Day, there was a fire up in Connecticut. I don't know if you remember this, but it hit the headline news. And what had happened was they had a fire that night on Christmas Eve. The uh, the grandparents built a or were wrapping in front of the fireplace, and then they decided after the fire was out they scooped up all the ashes and put it in a in a um, bucket and they set it in the hallway of the home well of course that was a not a good move because it it ignited i think one of the problems that people don't realize that when you build a fire in that fireplace those live embers can stay hot for a day or two oh yeah yeah definitely and uh, i think a lot of times you hear that people throw out the ashes immediately after fire you got to make sure it's 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 Mm -hmm. they're they're out yeah yeah, you want to put them in something that, you know, like either a, a metal container with a lid. Make sure that, it, you know, they're completely smothered. And like you said, they can last for, you know, for, for days sometimes. That's why a lot of times after a fire, you know, people will say, oh, the fire's out. Why are the fire department, why are they still here? Well, a lot of times we're looking for little flare-ups, little, you know, hot embers. That's and, right. You know, hot spots is what we're looking for. So same thing in a, in a fireplace and with ashes. 
as we do when we have a, a home that's burned. And I just think that even if it's an outdoor fire pit, that people should not mess with those ashes or just put water on them, make sure that they're out. And mm-hmm. I, I really, what I do, and I build a lot of fires, I build about, me. I, I go through maybe one and a half to two cords of wood a year because I love wood fireplaces. But uh, the thing that I do is when, if I have to clean it out, even if it's been down for three or four days, I put them in a bucket and I take it out and put it in my, my grill and I close the lid. And I just let it sit there because I don't put it anywhere it could cause a fire if there's a live ember. Because I had that happen as a kid. I cleaned out a fireplace and I set it next to the fireplace. And guess what? The whole room's caught on fire. Almost killed my family. So it's a very Very serious business. So uh, We've we've actually answered a call uh, a few months ago. uh, But uh, there were some leads that would build up in the... um, gutters people just you know they didn't properly maintain their their gutters probably had good intentions of cleaning those out but just didn't get around to it and then when they first had the first snap of you know cool weather uh, they they did a little fire pit out you know probably 15 foot i mean it was proper distance from the house but the embers what, what they were burning those embers kind of floated up and got in the uh, uh, in the uh, gutters where the leaves were dried uh-huh. out leaves and started to fire outside their home burnt the outside of their, their uh, siding and, and on down. Well, one of the things, you know, at, when around Christmas, when people unwrap their gifts, they have a fire in the fireplace. Uh, there's a temptation to put the paper in the fireplace. That's a big no-no, isn't it? What what problems? I yeah. I wouldn't recommend that because that paper there, again, uh, you know, it's going to burn hotter um, and, and more intense for a short period of time like that. And, and there, again, if there's any type of, of buildup in that chimney, uh, you, there's possibility of starting a chimney fire by doing that. Exactly. So, uh, really, we got to take care of the fireplace. we got to treat it with respect when we build it. And just because it's kind of dirty, don't try to clean it out immediately. Make sure those embers are, are, are out and discard them safely and away from the home because we don't want any, any fires in the house in the holiday season. Now, let's go back to another heating source and talk about some of the space heaters. Because when it gets real cold, some folks don't have a, a heating source like a fireplace or a, or a stove or something to put wood in or coal. What what what's the problem with some of these space heaters? And you always hear that if somebody plugs it in, it's going to cause a fire. Is that true? Have they gotten better technology? They they are. They make products better and better every year. Some of the old space heaters, the in wall space heaters, uh, that were wired directly to to the your uh, uh, electrical box. Were those two twenties? I'm sorry. Were those two twenties? Those old ones? But yes. Yeah. A lot, a lot of those are two two twenty. And they're wired directly in uh, into your electrical system through the through your uh, electrical box. But uh, a lot of those had a thermostat on them, and we've seen several fires from that. And and those are kind of phasing out. You know, a lot of people have replaced them and sheetrocked. Uh, you know, pulled the uh, heaters out and sheetrocked the wall, uh, the hole that it left. But some of them still remain. And from winter, when they, I guess what I'm trying to say is. The thermostat may be set, say, at you know, 50 degrees. When it drops down to 50, that, that heater automatically kicks on. Um, and then at the end of the, the cool season, you know, it's no longer going to kick on because your temperature is higher than 50. And people will push couches up against them or whatever. And oh. then the first time that it gets down to 50 and it, you know, rolls back around to fall, uh, you know, that heater's going to kick on. That thermostat is still in the in that mold 
and it's going to kick on and start a fire if you've got something pushed up against it. So we've seen several fires like that where where uh, items have been too close to those those heaters and they've kicked on and started a fire. I and think other, the other time. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I was thinking the best practice here is treat it like a loaded gun or a gun. Exactly. It's always loaded. Keep stuff exactly. away from the space heater, period. That's, that's, that's a good way of looking at it. Treat it as if it's a loaded gun. Exactly. Right. And uh, so we've, we're good. Now, we've we got two minutes left on this segment. So um, are, are there any other heating sources besides these types of uh, space heaters? I can't think of anything right offhand. You know, with with the economy being what it is, a lot of people are looking for alternative uh, ways of heating, and they'll go with something like a kerosene heater oh. because that's a little bit cheaper than getting an electric bill or something. And uh, those, you know, recommend following the uh, manufacturer's suggestions on, on what to do on those. But, uh, you know, make sure that it's a properly ventilated room uh, because the fear there is carbon monoxide poisoning. If you have a kerosene heater... Uh, inside a room and you don't have it properly ventilated, then, uh, you know, there's there's the possibility of, of dying from carbon monoxide poisoning. Right. The signs and symptoms of that uh, early on are, you know, red face, cherry, cherry uh, complexion, uh, headaches, uh, dizziness, lightheadedness. And if you feel any of those symptoms coming on when you are using a kerosene heater, then I recommend that you get away from the source, turn it off, get it out of the house, uh, you know, air the air the house out, let the windows open, uh, because you're, yeah. you're probably suffering from carbon monoxide, that early, early onset of carbon monoxide poisoning. And we're with uh, Knoxville City Fire Department Captain D.J. Corcoran, who's talking about fire protection during this holiday season. And we're going to come on the other side of this break. We're going to continue this conversation about detection. So I want you to stay with us and check out thehousinghour.com because we're going to have videos up because our next segment about smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors. So it's something you want to uh, check out and make sure that your family is protected. You need all the information and we're going to give it to you here. So stay with us. Mortgage Investors Group gladly sponsors thehousinghour.com. So join us on the other side of it. I'm Mark Griffith. We'll be back in just a minute. Tennessee's choice for Fox News Radio, 100.3 WNOX. At Title Associates of Knoxville, we are all about you. You, the buyer, the seller, the real estate agent, or the lender. Hi, I'm Sue Benson, owner of Title Associates. In today's real estate market, it is more important than ever to have a title company with experience, a company you can trust, and one that conducts business with you in mind. Our staff has been serving Knoxville and surrounding counties for over 20 years with timely, attentive service. We are constantly updating and re-educating ourselves to ensure the best possible service to our customers. At Title Associates, we are proud to be a part of this community, a community that has remained positive during the downturn of the economy and a community that will recover with an even stronger real estate market. If you're buying, selling, or refinancing, our staff promises to make your closing a pleasant one. If you're a real estate agent looking for excellent customer service, give us a call, 777-1040, or visit our website at tanox.com. Title Associates, your choice and the right choice. 
Mortgage Investors Group is committed to being your home loan solution. It's just that simple. With over 22 years of experience in the home financing business and over 60,000 clients, MIG is Tennessee's leading independent mortgage lender. Whether you're looking to upgrade your current home, purchase your first home, or need to simply refinance to a lower rate, now is the time to move. There has never been a better time to buy a home than there is today. Record low rates, great selection of homes for sale, and sellers ready to sell. This environment will not last forever. Mortgage Investors Group has money to lend, experienced loan officers to guide you, and a singular focus of helping you. Contact us and we will help you realize your American dream today. MIGonline.com or 865-691-8910. Equal housing lender, Tennessee license number 109111. Mortgage Investors Group. Roughly six years after the housing market began its longest, deepest slide since the Great Depression, experts believe the end of the slide has come. Home prices are rising, home sales are increasing, and interest rates are at their lowest level. Mortgage Investors Group would like to help you take advantage of these fantastic market conditions. MIG has 16 offices in Tennessee, so call us today, 800-489-8910, or visit us at mortgageinvestorsgroup.com. Mortgage Investors Group, your home loan solution for the past 22 years. Tennessee Mortgage License Number 109111. When the weather gets bad, the team gets stronger. Listen for live WATE Six Storm Team Severe Weather Updates now on 100.3 WNOX. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. And welcome back to the Housing Hour. And this show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group, your home loan solutions for the past 23 years. And I'd like to say that we would like to thank one of our sponsors is Capital Financial Group. Bobby Lopez has a group over there on Kingston Pike, Capital Financial Group, and they have a fantastic team that can help your family do estate planning tax planning, handle all your insurance needs that you you could possibly imagine from home to auto to boat to uh, life insurance. You need to ask these guys because they are the professionals and they know. As a matter of fact, they're downstairs from our mortgage investors group in West Knoxville, our home office out there on 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 uh, Interstate 40. You can look off. That's where Capital Financial Group is located on, this, on the first floor. Give them a call. Their number is 865- Two four six one six eight zero Capital Financial Group, and we've got back with us our Knoxville City Fire Department Captain DJ Corcoran, and we're talking about fire protection and all that good stuff. And uh, Captain, what I wanted to move toward is detection. Uh, we've talked about some of the causes of fires, and we haven't talked about all the things that cause fires in a in a home. But the fir- the big two are the cooking and the heating sources and during the holiday seasons those are the big two uh, we got to deal with but the other part of this is detection and um, can you tell me about some of the things that maybe the educational programs that the Knoxville City put on because I know you got Safety City down there what are some of the protection uh, things that you kind of teach kids and adults about? They go into the schools our public education department goes into the schools and they see uh, I think the number of kids that they've seen in the last five years is, is hovering around, I think, 25, 30,000. I may be off on those numbers, but they, I guess it's just that they see a lot of kids and they teach them a lot. One of the things that they teach them is uh, EDA, is exit drills in the home. Oh. And that's basically 
telling children that once they get out of the home, stay out of the home, uh, if there is a fire situation, to have a meeting point, uh, either in a mailbox or a tree in the front yard, somewhere with that, uh, that when the fire department ri- arrives, they can see and account for everybody, that the parent can tell them, yes, everybody is out of the house. And that way the fire department can go about their business, putting the fire out, and not worry about trying to find somebody inside. Let me let me, let me me ask you right there. When people are coming up with a plan, do you help families? Because I know the, no- the Knoxville City came out to our house one time and sat with our family when we first moved in and actually helped us come up with a plan. Do you all still do that? We will, yeah. All you have to do is just call our, uh, we've got like a smoke alarm program, and the number is 595-4672, and you can call that number and, uh, you know, uh, leave a message and tell them what you'd like to do, and you'll have somebody come out and and, uh, go go through a a fire safety plan with you. Uh, We can also, uh, by calling that number, you can get smoke detectors, smoke alarms uh, installed uh, free of charge if you're a citizen inside the city of Knoxville. Uh, that's a free service that the fire department offers. Can, can you repeat that number for our listeners one more time? It, it is uh, area code 865-595-4672. And part of the plan, when you when you talk to these folks, uh, when parents have children uh, and they're, they're uh, you know, in the other part of the house and they're asleep and there's a fire, uh, is part of the plan for the parents to exit the home and hope that the kids follow the plan or are the parents supposed to go back to the rooms and make sure that they're clear? I guess if it's possible, they would. Uh, what, what generally happens in one of those plans? In an ideal situation, uh, you know, to, to have the parents accountable, make sure that they get their kids out. In some situations, it's not possible. You know, if there's fire separating, you know, the parent from the child, uh, you know, then, then that's where the training comes in. You teach the children. If you're, you know, on the first floor, go out the window. You should have two means of egress from every room, uh, a hallway door that leads into a bedroom, and then you have a window that will take you outside of the home. So, um, you know, that's where, like I said, that's where the training comes in. You teach your children, and if the alarm to fill the back of the door, you know, the children's door should be shut at night to make sure that, uh, you know, there's no smoke or flames get into into the sleeping quarters. But teach the children to fill the back of the, uh, to fill the door with the back of their hand, make sure it's hot, make sure it's not hot, and then and then open it. But if it is hot, to go out the window and to have a place uh, where the family will meet. Uh, there are uh, stairs, uh, climbing climbing ladders that uh, you could put inside the child's room. Make sure that they know how to activate those those uh, uh, defending ladders, I guess I should say. Right. Uh, make sure they know how to open their windows, that they can unlock them, and, and make sure that they know how to get out of that that situation. Okay. Now, there's one thing I want to talk about right here. Um, I was I was doing some investigation, and I'm going to have a video online at thehousinghour.com, and this is from M- NBC News, and they did a study for kids under 10, and there's another piece that I'll add to it from the, the actual study, but in the study, they discovered that kids under 10, for some reason, are not being woken up by that annoying uh, buzz of the smoke alarm. The detector goes off in their room or in the house, but the kids aren't waking up. So um, what they discovered, and I, first off, let me ask you, Captain, have you heard of this issue before of kids uh, generally not waking up during this alarm system? Have you heard of this? Well, I, I know firsthand from uh, my own children, <laughs> alarm yeah. clocks, that they don't they don't respond to alarm clocks, and it's kind of the same, it's the same, same thing. frequency, same tone, 
and uh, and I just don't understand it. You know where where I, it wakes me up that yeah. they they just choose to ignore it. So and so that. this study was saying that the plan is is a great thing to have a plan, but where it kind of breaks down is if the kids aren't woken up, they don't know to get out of the house during this problem if you're separated by fire or anything so here's the solution or they think they found part of the solution is you go to home depot and i went out there today before the show to check it out they have a voice activated uh smoke alarm and you can put it in their room and you can have mom or dad or both uh record their voice on it to when it is activated it's saying you know johnny get up meet us at the mailbox in the front yard or go over to the neighbor's house it uses in their voice and they're stimulated by that voice and they're waking up so oh, wow. Wow. so i i think and that's about 49 dollars i think for the so i i would really encourage everybody to take a look at what's on our, our website at thehousinghour.com and learn about that and watch that video because when you see those kids asleep at two o'clock in the morning and that thing goes off and NBC News is right there waiting for them to come out of the room they're not coming out they're putting a pillow over their head they're they're just they're continuing to sleeping right through this it's a very scary thing for their their family members but the another piece that we're also going to have on the website there's another study that they they did about the types of fire extinguishers the ionization versus a photoelectric do you know about that study do you know you about the, the, difference? The, the fire detectors the fire detectors or the alarms yeah the fire i'm sorry yeah, not yeah. an extinguisher not an extinguisher i'm, I'm sorry you're right the, it's the smoke detectors come in in two flavors ionization and photoelectric and what they've discovered well let me ask you captain have you heard of the, what's the difference between ionization and photoelectric in your mind as far as the knoxville city fire department they're both good detectors. Uh, the photoelectric is basically like a uh, beam, like when you open a door to a store, uh, you cross a beam and it sets it off. That's sort of what a photoelectric is. When particles get in between that beam, the, the transmitter and the receiver, uh, it breaks that, uh, that beam and it will set the alarm off. Now, a ionization, it collects particles, sort of like a... Uh, uh, if you remember the old fly, uh, fly sticky paper or something like that, right. sort of like that, if you can kind of visualize particles being trapped on that, and then it's setting the detector off. So uh, they make they make each, um, you know, you probably just need to look and see which one suits your needs the best. Or uh, if you can't decide, they make a combination photoelectric and ionization uh, combo detector and and i think the the combination uh, again on our website thehousinghour.com i'm going to post another video and this one is really disturbing because there was four kids that lost their life in a home that had an ionization detector what they discovered under the research is under conditions of a a slow smoldering fire let's say a cigarette gets in the couch or a spark from our fireplace gets into the carpet and we have a slow smolder the house filled up full of uh toxic fumes in and it was it took 36 minutes before the ionization smoke detector went off and after repeated studies they found that it was about the same amount of time on these ionizations they don't always fire correctly uh no pun intended uh, they don't they don't go off and start alerting everybody what happened in this case is those kids got trapped the mom couldn't get to them they they she was no one could get into the house because the fumes were so toxic toxic they lost their life so i think the, I, I think the the long and short of this is that they these combinations because the ionization certainly works the photoelectric is 
is something you need too. They make the combo packages or buy each one and put them up there. Maybe you just buy the photoelectric because you you just purchased ionization. The ionization certainly is cheaper. Uh, the photoelectric a little bit more. I think they're about $39, $40 at Home Depot that I just checked. So is do you see, does anybody, do you get, when you give out smoke detectors at the uh, fire department, what type are you giving? The, the ionization, that's the ones that we've purchased. Right. Uh, and they are a little less expensive. But when you're dealing with the masses, when you're trying to get some, yes. a whole lot of people, uh, you know, protection, that's, that's the route that they've got. Got to have something for sure. Exactly. And something is better than nothing at all. Uh, but, yeah, I agree that you probably need the best choice, if you can afford those, is to go with a combination uh, alarm that has the photo and the ionization. And that, that way it kind of covers your bases more, uh, more readily. Well, let, let me ask you this. When, you st- when we go to install these smoke detectors in our house, we're doing this to protect our family. We put one in the kids' room. You know, each kid gets one. We put it in our room. We put it in the hallway. We put it downstairs. We put it everywhere that we think that it's going to go off. It's going to wake us up. But certainly in the bigger homes, when you get farther away from one area um, and one goes off, uh, you may not hear it. Um, so I, I, I didn't know if there was any other technology out there that there, could... There is. You can contact an electrician and have a system put in. Now, in the mid-90s, they made it mandatory where any new structure, residential structure, that you have interlinking detectors. So, in, in other words, if you uh, have a, you know, you know, if you're fortunate enough to have, say, a 5,000-square-foot home and you've got a garage... Uh, right. And, and then that detector in the garage goes off because you've uh, been out there welding or you've been doing something and it's uh, got a little bit of smoke out there or you've left the car running or something like that. And interlinking, if that one goes off in the garage, it's going to set the one off in the hallway. It's going to set the one in the bedroom. That's it's going it. To set every, every detector in the home between the garage and the furthest, uh, furthest linking one, uh, it's going to sound them all. And, and so... So that's something that they started doing since the mid '90s, and uh, but now some of the older homes, uh, you know, you could retrofit those by calling an electrician and having them, you know, wire an interlinking system all together. Well, and, and the reason I, I bring this up, Captain, is, is because what I've certainly I've, I've had friends that have, have homes burned to the ground, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But you can tell our listeners how fast a fire can go from. Uh, once it ignites, how fast it can move in a house, you don't have that much time. It, it really travels fast. From the incipient stage, uh, it will double in size about every minute. So every minute. Think about that. Every every minute, a fire will double in size. So um, with the fire department, you know, that's one of the uh, keys to our success is having fire stations strategically located all around the city to, to where it puts us about three to four minutes uh, away from from when that call is placed, so our response time is anywhere from three to four minutes. So if it's a um, you know a small fire, we can usually contain it to the room of origin or to an area of that room. If it's around a stove or something like that in the kitchen, we can usually contain it to to that area if it's detected and and the nine one one call is placed immediately. Sometimes what happens when the uh, late detection, you know, late in the, in the middle of the morning, you know, where uh, might be somebody not home and a neighbor, you know, it's 
they don't detect the fire until it's big enough to where it looks like the sun's coming up through the window. Uh, you know, those those are that's an uphill battle because we're we're on the defense uh, right off the bat. Right. If it's early detected, we can get in there and put it out and usually contain it to one room. And so, so really, what you're describing, if if this flame can double in every minute uh, in a in a an average size home, 2,200 square feet, West Knox, or you know, 2,500 square feet. So once that thing ignites, you're saying that within a minute it could be spread throughout the house. I mean, is that possible? No, just just like the size of the fire. I mean, if you've got a a flame the size of a softball. Uh, right. You know, in about a minute, you're going to have a, a flame about the size of the football, and then and then from the football on up to you know to the you know and, and doubling like that. Right. Minute. Gotcha. So um, so okay. So let let's start. So we talked about the the smoke detectors. We talked about the different types of smoke detectors and what works and what works in certain situations and what will wake kids and what won't wake kids. And uh, if we're upstairs, and generally speaking, we talked about the first two types of things that causes fires: the cooking and the heating. But we really didn't talk about another problem that's up there. And I don't know where it ranks. But when you have dryers in the house, I've heard friends say that they're the dryer lint caught on fire in their duct work or whatever what, mm-hmm. is that an issue too is it is that's that's uh, uh like i said I'm, I'm not really sure where that ranks but uh you know on on down there but there are fires that are started in the dryer you know you want to make sure that uh you know you run a brush uh through through that vent work that usually it vents to outside uh, you know do that every you know probably twice a year just to make sure that the lint, uh, the trap, uh, most dryers have like a lint trap, uh, right. a little thing that you open the door and you pull it out and you get that lint. Definitely make sure that you, you know, pull that out after every load of laundry and, and help clean uh, any of that lint out there. But then probably twice a year you want to do, uh, you know, some heavy-duty clean and, and pull that dryer away from, from, from the wall and clean, run a brush just like they would like a chimney sweep. Uh, you know, run a brush down through there and clean your duct work out. DJ, you, you have... You know what my maintenance guy does? We have a guy that comes in to service our uh, washer and dryer. You know what he hooks up to the uh, the pipe that shoots outside the vent, the dryer vent that like, goes outside? He he Wind uses uh, he uses a um, uh, like a air uh, a blower, a leaf blower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he hooks it up. Yeah, hooks it up and blows it yeah. down to shoot all across there. Well, this has been very I've helpful. And I, yeah, yeah, I've done, I've done that, and I've, I've also got a face full of wind. I'll tell my wife, I'm yelling, all right, turn it off. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, turn it off. I'm like, no, and then about the time it comes on, it blows all that wind. I'm like, yeah, okay, thank you. It yeah. is like a snowstorm outside, <laughs> I know. Well, uh, Captain uh, Corcoran, we want to thank you very much for joining our show today. I really appreciate oh, I, you having you, come it's, on. It's a Pleasure, pleasure talking with you guys. And uh, we're going to be posting this show, and we're going to be uh, having it on our archives for sure, especially through this uh, winter season. So you can come on and make sure that everything's uh, taken care of in your home. Because the one thing, Shine, that you got to do is you got to securitize your home. You can have a wonderful time. One of the things we didn't talk about is Christmas trees. You know that they get dry and crumbly; they can catch fire. Yeah. So you got to keep them away from that, those sources. But we want to thank everybody for joining us at the Housing Hour. Check out our our housinghour.com. We want to thank Mortgage Investors Group. And we'll check you out next time on the Housing Hour.